And hello, everybody. Welcome to the Legacy Leadership Radio Show with Adrian Chenault and me. But I am so psyched today that we're not even going to let you talk much. <laughs> I don't have many. I tell you, it's the truth. I don't, I, I swear, you're like an idol to me. And it took me a long time to get next to you. Uh, I had known of you forever. And I've just been in awe of you, of your career, of what you've accomplished. You are truly a living legend, sir. Everybody needs to meet and say hello to Ben Gay the Third. I love you and welcome to the show, sir. Tom, thank you very much. I appreciate that. That's uh, I, I'm, I'm starting to feel like one of those old rock and roll cover bands. Uh, oh, yeah. In fact, I was on a plane going somewhere few months ago and uh three dog night was on the plane the whole band and i sat next to their drummer of 40 years and i have to admit i, I know tunes when i hear them but i don't necessarily know who played them and i, I said uh, i said well, he I, somebody asked me to sign a book came up out of the back and asked me to sign a book he said are you in show business and I said, well, I'm in show business for ugly people. I'm a professional speaker. And he said, well, I know the look because I'm a, I'm a member of an old rock and roll band. I said, really, which one? He said, Three Dog Night. I knew the name, but I didn't know any of their songs in a match, you know. And I looked at him. He said, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. I said, all right, I got you. I got you. And, and I said, do that, people ask you to, to do new songs? He said, it's required because that's when they go to the bathroom. <laughs> that's a great call. Man alive. So how long have you been doing what you're doing? You were the president of Holiday Magic, good friends with Jim Rohn, Bill Bailey, which is not a name that's kicked around. I mean, I had him in the same category as you. And just some unbelievable people. You've known them all, sir. How did this all start? Uh, I answered a little. By the way, Bill Bailey was, uh, I'm cutting off my phone. So we don't have one of those awkward moments where it's ringing. And I don't know how to turn it off then. Uh, Bill uh, Bailey was briefly the president of Holiday Magic before I was. He was one of the three original guys, Bob DePew. Bill Bailey and William Penn Patrick, Bill Patrick. So uh, I followed in his shoes and then remained friends. And he and Bill had a friendly rivalry, which is how I met Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn was sort of Bill Bailey's Ben Gay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, our matching yachts, which were part of the, the uh, ego battle between the two Bills, the Principia and the Electra were tied up next to each other each about 110 feet, as best I recall, in Sausalito, California. And then Bill Patrick bought a 3,500-acre ranch at Clear Lake. And within two weeks, a realtor came over and said, uh, uh, we've got somebody else buying the matching ranch over there. And uh, we said, who's that? And they said, uh, William Bailey. And Bill Patrick <laughs> said, son of a... <laughs> So wow. We, we came up we came up together and, and uh, uh, used to sit, uh, Jim Rohn and I used to sit on the fantails of one or other of the yachts and complain about the two bills. Uh, we were both in uh, working under 
egomaniac superstars. And, uh, but we were each assigned the task of making money to support the habits of the yacht business, the uh, ranch business. And we, uh, Bill Bailey never got into it as deeply as we did, but we had 42 airplanes, including the only B-20, flying B-29 bomber in the world at the time, the one that dropped Chuck Yeager for his famous sound-breaking ride. And uh, one of the first Gulf Streams and Learjets and, and uh, so on. So it was, uh, Bill Patrick would say from time to time, you know, we're not making enough money. I said, no, Bill, that's not the problem. I'm taking in a million dollars a day, uh, three billion in today's money, three sure. billion a year. And uh, I said, income is not the problem. <laughs> so... Uh, Interesting times. Yeah, uh, Jim Rohn made famous the old quote, uh, when your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep becomes your downfall. And uh, (laughs) both of the bills suffered from that a little bit. So many, so many people do. Uh, Robert White, formerly of LifeSpring, he's on here, wants to tell you hello. You've got so many. (laughs) Yeah, that's really cool. So he goes way, way back with you. And so many people do. And the footprint that you've had on this profession and what you're still doing with your, obviously, your radio show podcast, The Closers. I mean, you haven't lost a step. You're, Ron Henley tells me that you're just as relevant right this minute as you've ever been. What's that? For? Why are you just so completely crazed about keeping it going? Uh, I've always loved this business. We're talking about MLM, direct sales, whatever. I've been selling something since I was 10. Uh, Maybe before that with Christmas cards, you used to order through the magazines and so on. At 10, I won a citywide contest in Atlanta selling Krispy Kreme donuts door to door. And I won a red Columbia bicycle. And I was hooked. You, You mean, I'm thinking... You can just talk to people and they give you things. Uh, This could be interesting, you know. And at 14, I opened my own lawn mowing business. I don't mean me and a lawnmower. I'm not big on manual labor. Uh, So my father said, well, here's what you do. And he gave me a little script to go out and sell jobs. Don't pay us till we're done and then pay us what you think it's worth. And I said, whoa, that sounds dangerous. He said, no, they'll pay you two to three times as much as you would have ever asked. And I said, well, how many lawns can I mow? And he said, you're not going to mow any, which you probably weren't going to do anyway. Uh, you get your friends to uh, mow the lawn and you split the money with them. And so I had 20, 25 kids working for me in the growing season in Atlanta, several summers between age 14 and 18, I guess. And uh, that put me in business. And then jumping ahead a little bit, Wednesday, September 15th, 1965, I answered a lad in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution said, if you want to, uh, if you know anything about marketing plans and want to make more money, dial this number. Well, I didn't know what a marketing plan was, but I needed more money. I was putting a wife through nursing school and uh, she wasn't working, which was part of my plan was I thought she was employable, but she wasn't a nurse yet. 
So she wasn't going to support me. And I went down and said, well, I walked into a phone booth. Some of your younger listeners may not know what that is, but it was sort of an aluminum box on, <laughs> on the street corner that you put money in. And I dialed the number and I began interviewing Bill Dempsey, a good friend of several of the people you've already mentioned. And uh, Bill, he was an old Arthur Murray dance instructor and he'd gotten into holiday magic shortly before I had. So I said to him, I'm Ben Gay with Brown Gay Food Brokerage and blah, 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 skipping over the part that the Brown Gay in the company name was my father, not me. And uh, a few minutes deep into my interrogation of him, he said, Mr. Gay, I'm not the man standing in a phone booth answering want ads. Where are you? And I told him it turned out by luck. I was about two blocks from his office at 1447 West Peachtree Street. And he said, uh, you can be here very quickly. You got 10 minutes to be standing in front of my desk or never dial this number again. He hung up on me. So my running buddy, co-worker with my father, pulled around about that time. We're getting ready to go to another grocery store. And I jumped in the car and said, quick, 1447 West Peachtree Street. He said, what's going to happen? I said, we're going to be rich. Because I figured anybody could pay to run an ad and then hang up on the people who answered it had something going for him. So yeah. we skidded up in front of the desk of the receptionist with a minute or so to spare. I said, hi, my name's Ben Gay. And from behind me, I heard this laugh, turned around. There was a curly-headed guy sitting there. He said, your name's really Ben Gay? I said, yes. And I put out my hand. I said, I'm Ben Gay. What's your name? He said, Zig Ziglar. I said, with a name like Zig Ziglar, you're laughing at Ben Gay? You got to be kidding me. <laughs> And uh, we became buddies almost instantly. He was 18 years older than I was, but he had not yet had a big hit. He just made a pretty good living selling cookware. And uh, so we went into the meeting. Bill Dempsey drew circles on a chart, and we both signed, Jimmy Rucker and I signed up, and Zig signed up. And off we went. We began the rocket ride of our lives. We were introduced to... Uh, Multi-level marketing, up close and personal. Before that, when I was about 18, I know I didn't I didn't have a car yet. I borrowed my father's car. I went to the Georgian Terrace Hotel in Atlanta at the invitation of a neighbor of mine to go to a neutral bio meeting. The neighbor didn't show up. So uh, I'm standing there in my little cheap sport coat, and everybody's busy with their prospects. Looking back, because it was a regional neutral bio meeting, I'm guessing Jim Rohn was in the room. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, you know, Jim Rohn, Bill Bailey was probably there, uh, and some of the the heavyweights from those days. But nobody approached me. They were busy, and I didn't look like I was going to be joining anything. And this guy uh, came over and he said, "Young man, how are you? My name's Earl Shove. Uh, how can I be of assistance to you?" And to people like our mutual friend, Ron Henley, the name Earl Schoff, you're supposed to stand up, put your hand over your heart. Uh, he was Jim Rohn's mentor. And uh, so uh, we didn't do anything, but he was a kind, gracious gentleman. I was just five years too soon. Five years later, I was holding meetings in that same room for Holiday Magic Cosmetics. Wow. Now, where does Glenn Turner and uh, and, and who's the other guy? Larry Thompson, where do they fit into this whole life of yours? Were they pretty important to it? Uh, 
not Larry wasn't to my life because he was over on on Bill Bailey's team and doing his thing there. Uh, but I knew of him, and I think we probably met a few times over the years. Glenn Turner was, uh, for those young people among us, look up Dare to Be Great and Coscot, spelled with a K, cosmetics. Glenn joined Holiday Magic. He was, I think, from North Carolina. I know the attorney general there almost ran us out of the state because of him. And uh, Glenn was uh, a character. He had a cleft palate and therefore severe speech impediment, but he turned it into a, uh, a thing that attracted people to him to hear him speak. It was fascinating. Great sense of humor, total audacity. When he was banned from going to North Carolina, the, the judge said, some, I, I wasn't there. It had nothing to do with Holiday Magic. It was his next company. But uh, he said, don't you ever step foot in North Carolina again. So Jim, uh, Glenn chartered a bus and rode through North Carolina holding meetings on the bus, assuring oh, the authorities wow. that he never, never stepped, stepped foot in North Carolina. So we're going to take a last break. So we're going to come so, back right after this. It's the Legacy Leadership Show with Adrian and Tom Chenault. Awesome. I I had chills that whole segment. So what a guy that was. And the people watching Jared Maidenberg and Ron Henley and just these old salty dogs that we've all <laughs> known for so long. It's so cool. Robert White, man, I'm telling you, he said to make sure you tell a story about your dad in the childhood. So he's got stories running out of his ears on you, but you've got a lot of fans, sir. That's for sure. Well, bless you. They're very kind to me and I've, I've lived long enough to know a bunch of them. Cool. That is so cool. We, uh, We're going to come back in, in 10 seconds and uh, make sure you call it contact mapping as a sponsor when we come on. Your Welcome back, everybody. It is Tom Chenault, and it is Adrian Chenault, and it is the Legacy Leadership Radio Show, sponsored by Contact Mapping, and take it away, Adrian. So, I mean, I, I just want to pick the story back up because I just, I, I was hanging on every word. So, you you get plugged in with Zig Ziglar, you get plugged in with Jim Rohn, and, and these, you know, really the foundations not just of network marketing, but I mean, foundational people in the entire movement of self-development. And so talk about how those relationships developed and, and how you got to be so tight with that legendary group of people and, and became their peers through those early years. Well, you know, it's one of those things when you're in the midst of it, you don't necessarily know. Uh, sometimes somebody will ask me about a story and I have to really think about it. And they said, well, surely you remember. I said, when it happened 50 years ago, I didn't know someone was going to ask me about it later. It was just, you know, moving along through life. And uh, so, and we all grew up together. A lot of the people were 12, for some odd reason, Bill Patrick was 12 years older. Uh, Zig was 18 years older. Uh, Earl, uh, I was conceived on December 7th, 1941. I'm one of the rare people who knows when it happened. Uh, Earl Nightingale was on the Arizona that day. He got it blown out from under him by the Japanese. So they were all older and all sort of mentor-like, but none of them had any significant amount of money when we all started together. 
And uh, so although I was young, I was 23 when I joined the company, 25 when I became president, uh, the, we were all young, but most of the people you just named worked for me uh, because I became president. Uh, and uh, sometimes I knew, it's how I met Dr. Hill, was William Penn Patrick said to Dr. Hill one day when he was in the office giving Bill a an award of some sort. He said, I've got a young man who's running this business. I, I wasn't there when it was being told this was related to me. Got a young man who's running this business, doing a great job, but there's got to be times when he feels like he's in over his head. And I'd like him to have somebody to talk to without fear of walking down the hall to my office and asking some question, getting fired as a result. So he retained Dr. Hill to be my, we didn't use the term coach or whatever, but to be my friend, paid him $50,000 in 1967 to wow. be my friend, which is Rodney Dangerfield, the old comedian, said that uh, uh, his family tied a pork chop around his neck so the family dog would play with him. Uh, <laughs> Bill, Bill, Bill Patrick tied a $50,000 check around my neck so Dr. Hill would be my friend. Um, so I was young and they're all older and they all look, you know, people say to me, you know, Zig Ziglar, I used to love to, when he, somebody asked me that within, uh, earshot, you know, Zig Ziglar, I said, yeah, he works for me. And if Zig didn't catch it, say, yes, he works for me. <laughs> wow. Zig showed uh, Zig came in second in the contest where I became president. He won a Rolls Royce. And the running joke we had for years was on bad days, if he happened to call me, I said, Zig, I got a deal for you. Bring me the keys to the Rolls, and I will give you the keys to the front door of the company. And he said, oh, no, no, you won that fair and square. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. He always felt he won. So inside of that and people want to know somebody in the comments ask how you became the president of holiday magic well uh it, they had a year-long nationwide sales contest first prize was the mystery prize second prize was a rolls royce third was a lincoln continental fourth was a thunderbird and then the state knives started and in fact, and then the desk set started because everybody got a desk set. Even if you won them for years, I had that uh, on my desk. I think it's gone now, but whatever. Uh, and uh, so the contest ended and I knew I was in the running because uh, I was doing very well, Jimmy and I. And uh, the, uh, but I, it wasn't a big deal to me. I, my father raised me to, you don't pay attention to contests. One day, when we were at a National Food Brokers Convention, one of his clients said to him, Stouffer's or CPAC, somebody, I don't know, said to him, now, Mr. Gay, if you sell this amount, uh, we will give you a new color television. Those were bigger deals then than they are now. And uh, my father, I'm sitting there in this big suite they had uh, looking at him and, and thinking, oh, we'll get a television set. My father, I'm paraphrasing, but the gist of it was, you can take that television set and put it where the sun doesn't shine. <laughs> I sell all I can sell every day, all year long. And oh, that's the reason I'm one of, your, one of your top brokers. So if I win the television set, fine. If I don't win the television set, it doesn't make any difference to me. I'm not going to sell one extra case 
because of that stupid television set. And I thought, oh, this is good. I'm going to get my father, see my father fired with me sitting here. And uh, so they ended on a pleasant note. We left and a week or so later, a television set showed up at the house, RCA <laughs> console. And they said, whether you win it or not, here it is. There you go. <laughs> so, we're going to take another break. So we're coming back. Yeah. So thank you very much for listening so far. We've got Ben Gay the third with us. And this guy is unbelievable. I hope you've been watching and continue on. We'll be back right after this. So much fun. I know. How about <laughs> my wife? As my wife's, she does all the all the writing. And she said, Tom, this guy's the most fascinating guest you've ever had. That's pretty cool. That is Whoa. very, very cool. And she's yeah, not ever. Wrong. And we've had some guests on this show, sir. So that's pretty doggone strong. <clears throat> well, you guys come with a excellent reputations. So I'm just proud to be in the in the circle. Yeah, love it. So, love sort it. of like the way I got in the circle we've been talking about. I just showed up and things happened around me. That's exactly it. All right, we're going to come back here in five seconds. Long so, segment coming up. And we're back. It is the Leadership Legacy radio show with Adrian and Tom Chenault. And we are talking to Ben Gay III. And he was talking about his father, uh getting a color TV, even though he didn't want it, because he said, I sell like crazy every day. But the question I asked him was, how on earth did you end up president of Holiday Magic? So I want you to finish that story, because first prize was the mystery prize. Second prize was the Rolls Royce. Third prize was the Lincoln Continental. Fourth prize was this and the fifth prize. I can't remember. Thunderbird. Thunderbird. Yeah. Yeah. Take it away. So tell us what happened then. Well, I, as I said, I knew I was in the running because, you know, I, you sort of know who's, who's moving and shaking and so on. But it wasn't a big deal to me because of the way my father raised me. And uh, it turns out, this is hindsight, after I'm in California and I'm looking at the records, on the day I won the contest, I held an opportunity meeting, I think in Atlanta. And the margin by which I won the contest was, were the sales made in that meeting. Zig, who was much more driven by contests, pins, badges, and awards, uh, thought he had won. So he was holding a victory dinner in Columbia, South Carolina. And I won by what I did in that meeting versus Zig doing nothing but having a victory dinner. So there's a little lesson in how close you can come and, and the, the turtle and all the old... Uh, <laughs> all the old stories. So they fly me to California to have spend some time with Bill Patrick. And we go to lunch at the Caprice in Tiburon. I can still picture this, the setting. And we sit down and he just starts talking. I said, excuse me, I won the mystery prize. I'd spent some time with, with Bill. I was introduced him for 25 days in 25 seminars earlier in the year. So we traveled around. We sort of knew each other. Uh, so I didn't, we didn't have to beat around the bushes about who are you, <laughs> why are you here? And uh, I said, so what is the mystery prize? He said, oh, I meant to tell you, you're president of the company. That's the mystery prize. I said, wow. I said, why is it a mystery prize? He said, in case someone won it that I didn't like, I could change it. <laughs> wow. So, 
that's how I became president of Holiday Magic. He liked me. I had developed the ability to communicate effectively. I had become probably second only to build the best speaker in the company. And, uh, and so I had some things going for me and I outsold everybody else, even if it was by the skin of my teeth. Uh, but uh, that was how it happened. And off, off we went. I, I remember calling my wife. She's passed away now. My first wife, Gigi, is the one I talk about all the time. Uh, and they were good friends, oddly enough, through a different connection. Uh, I called uh, my wife and I said, we're moving to California. And she said something like, my father told me not to marry you. They, they, <laughs> they, they wanted her just to be a little Southern girl, stay there in Atlanta and fry chicken. And uh, so she was off and running and became the first lady of holiday magic. And we traveled the world and made millions of dollars. And it was a wonderful life, not without its ups and downs, but it was a wonderful life. It was in, in a talk I did with Ron Henley, who I, I think you just said is on the listening today. Hey, Ron. <laughs> he, by the way, he is the reason we're all talking. Uh, yeah. Ron, Ron said, there's some people you got to know and bragged about you guys. So uh, we, we, we traveled the world and had a wonderful time. And, and uh, a little Southern boy with just a high school education has gotten to live a life that most people don't uh, get to live or don't get themselves in the position to. And once I got in that position, it was sitting in the, in the catbird seat. People, somebody said to me one day, you met Ogman, do you know, how'd you do that? And I said, I think I was on the way from my office to the men's room. Uh, <laughs> the building was swarming in the mid 60s to late 60s, early 70s. If you were in direct selling, you were plotting and scheming how, or a professional speaker, you were plotting and scheming how to get into holiday magic, either as a distributor or a supplier or a speaker in seminars or what have you. We were what was happening. And in the midst of all that sat me. So if you were going to get into holiday magic from 1967 on, we became close buddies or you weren't in. Wow. So talk about the book, The Closer, because I want people, you've sold 15 million of them already. Talk about that a little bit. What a book. What a, <laughs> what a, yeah. It's, what a, Tell us about that. Well, down on the bottom, it's small deliberately. It says Ben Gay the Third editor, and the reason <laughs> that's there is I didn't write the first draft. I, I created the 800 call center industry, 800 order taking, and so on, and uh, with the National Communication Center. And after I opened it up and got rolling, I discovered that almost 90 it was roughly 90 percent of all Americans didn't know a toll free number was a toll was toll free to them. When they called, they used to talk real fast and yell fast because it was costing them money, they thought, and loud because it was long distance. You may yep. remember, Tom, sure. you may be old enough to get on the phone and call your grandmother at Thanksgiving. You yelled because wherever your grandmother was might have been a distance away. So we, I created an industry, and then I had to go back and educate the American people as to how it worked and all the advertisers. We became the largest toll-free order-taking service in the world. Also, 
So we would, everybody in the company had a pen knife and they had magazines they were supposed to read and newspapers and so on. And mine was the Wall Street Journal. And you cut out any ad that you saw that looked like somebody would respond to it or should that didn't have an 800 number. And out went a series of letters that I and uh, the letter doctor, Dr. Luther Brock, had written and telling you why you ought to have an 800 number. So I saw this little bitty ad in the Wall Street Journal that uh, said something about closing. But what really caught my attention was it didn't have an 800 number. So I pen knifed it out, clipped it to a typing request and sent it down to word processing and the letter series started. Oh, and as it was going out the door, I said to my secretary, hold on a second. What does it ask for? I think it was $14.95 back in those days. So I wrote a personal check for $14.95 because I thought maybe the ad had something to do with a book about selling. Hard to tell, but I thought it did. So I sent it down. If they had never sent a book, I never would have noticed. I would have totally forgotten about it. But about three weeks later, a package shows up. Looks like something that today I would have the bomb squad come open uh, before I opened it. Crayon on the outside, raggedy packaging, uh, packaging and so on. But I opened it up, pulled it out. It was a book called The Closers. Didn't say part one then. And I fanned through it. You know how you do with a new book and pages shot all over my office. And then when I started uh, looking at it, the pages that stayed in the book, about half of them were printed upside down or bound upside down. It was a mess. So I thought, well, there's $15 down the tubes. I've had worse things happen. Scooped it up, went to throw it in the trash, and I thought, selling, and I'm cheap. And my briefcase was right there and open. So I threw it in the briefcase, put a rubber band around the pages, and thought, next time I'm on a plane, I'll read it. I even had a plan. When I'm done, I'll put it in the seat pocket on the, the uh, in uh, the seat in front of me and I won't have to worry about it. I get on the plane. This is before well, round the clock movies and cell phones and so on. I'm bored. I've read the in-flight magazine. So I remembered the book, got it out, started reading through it as best I could, finding the right page numbers and everything. And uh, I thought I had found the Dead Sea Scrolls, poorly written, bad grammar, bad spelling, printed horribly, bound worse, I, I had found something. So when we landed at LaGuardia, I went to the payphone. Payphones have played a big part in my life. <laughs> went to the payphone, dialed the number in the back of the book, and when the, the guy answered, and I said, hi, I just finished reading The Closer. I hadn't finished it, but I'd read a lot of it. I've read The Closers. He said, well, Mr. Gay, how are you? And I'm looking around. We didn't have caller ID in those days unless candid camera had caught me in the airport. There was no way to know who I was. I said, I didn't tell you my name. He said, well, you said you read the closers and we printed 500 copies. We ran one ad in the Wall Street Journal one day and we sold one book. So if you've read the closers, <laughs> your name is Ben Gay and you live in Placerville, California. So long story short, I negotiated, bought his other. I said, how many do you have left? He said, like I told you, we printed 500. We sold one. I don't have to go count them. 499. I said, I'll take them. And even in the condition they're in, I'll take them. It'll make a great story. Shortly thereafter, after I'd given all those to my people and they'd give them to their distributors and so on. I called back, negotiated, got the sales and marketing rights to the closers worldwide and 
uh, the right to rewrite it, to clean it up. So that's the reason it says I'm the editor. So they sold one book. I sold 10 and a half million when we quit counting 25 years ago. Oh my goodness gracious. Is that cool enough? <laughs> my my jaw, I, I'm, I have to reconnect it so that I can formulate a question because just the everything that had to happen for you to take that cruddy book, print it backwards, upside down <laughs> and stitch it back together in order to then suspend your disbelief and realize it was a good book. And then everything that came from that, I mean, that just, that doesn't happen. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Now, but, but you know, but if you're out looking around, you find stuff. Jim Rohn used to tell the story about the guy who has a beautiful seashell collection. And I'm not telling it right, but the gist of it was, he said, how did you find such beautiful seashells? And the guy said, well, first I go to the beach. <laughs> my brother-in-law, who's a, a trout fisherman, fly fisherman, I asked him one day because his friends always come back with one or two trout and he has the limit. And I said, how's that happen? He said, well, I, I go to streams where the trout are. Uh, so I'm always out. Look, I didn't. Napoleon Hill was brought to me and given to me as a gift by Bill Patrick the first year. Second year, I had to pay for it. That gave me a little bit of a. Uh, it, it's about four hundred thousand dollars in today's money. And Dr. Hill started hinting around. Well, we're coming to the end of the first year. So I went to Bill Patrick and I said, Dr. Hill's hinting around that uh, he'd like to go on, but I assume we're talking about another fifty thousand dollars. He said, Yeah, I'm probably so. I said, should I do it? He said, if you want to, do it. And as I left, started to leave the office, I turned back. I said, with company money or with my money? He said, yours. I paid for the first year. So Dr. Hill and I became close friends. We already were. But the last two and a half years of his life, because I paid $50,000 for the privilege and the company paid $50,000 before that. Uh, and, and everybody else I met, I met through being in the right place at the right time. If I walk into a room and there's an interesting character there before I leave the room, I will know them. And that's unbelievable. Be... We got to take a last break. So stick around. Okay. This is the Legacy Leadership Radio Show with Adrian and Tom Chenault. So good. All right. I want to pick that last, what that last thing you said, I want to close there because that is the perfect Place. So we're going to come back here in 10 seconds. And the last segment is about seven and a half minutes long. And it's going to be awesome. And what you said was, if there's an interesting person in the room, I'm going to find out about them. Okay. And Thank we're back you, at the Legacy Leadership Radio Show with Adrian and Tom Chenault. Have a little trouble spitting that out once in a while because I'm so pumped <laughs> up about this guy. So where were we? So I, I just loved where you finished that last segment. And talking about following the thread of interesting people who have shown up in your life, because that's what contact mapping is really about. And you are truly one of the most magnificent examples of this that I have ever no had the chance to speak to. And so talk about how from Napoleon Hill through to these other people who have shown up. No, in but life, wait a second. You then you do it. No. Okay. What? Look how he remembers everything from all the key <laughs> to success, everybody, is remembering. Yeah. And you are looking at the great rememberer right there. 
we are going to send him a great rememberer t-shirt because this guy is truly the great rememberer. I did not mean to interrupt you, but he truly is. Don't you think? He absolutely, absolutely is. Did I take you off your topic? Medium or large. Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in there. Yeah, we were talking about meeting interesting people. I was the attitude coach for the astronauts of Apollo 15, 16, 17. How did that happen? A girl that worked for us, a lady, uh, was the uh, holiday girl, like an Avon lady for us. And I happened to overhear her. She was attractive. That's probably the reason I introduced myself to her. Uh, that her husband was the launch test supervisor of the, of the manned space program at NASA at Cape Kennedy. And I thought, whoa, because I grew up watching the Vanguard rockets go up and fall over and, and uh, Mer the Mercury program. I watched John Glenn go into orbit and Alan Shepard do a suborbital, all that stuff. Uh, and I thought that would be interesting to meet them. So that I wheedled my way in and they invited me down to watch the, Apollo, the launch of Apollo 14, Alan Shepard's flight. And uh, I, they had a dinner and I thought it was for astronauts and I would get to meet some. Turned out the dinner was in my honor and the uh, nine astronauts from 15, 16, 17 were there and much of the launch crew, ground crew, et cetera. And before the evening ended, uh, Jim Irwin, the commander of Apollo 15, named me the attitude coach for those three flights. Uh, and I started working with NASA, meeting with Miles Ross and Dr. Davis, who ran NASA at the time, and putting in some programs they still use to this day. But it was, they didn't pick up a phone book and go, let's see if we can find an attitude coach. Gay, gay, gay. Yeah, that'd be good. I made it happen. Uh, Sally go. Stanford, Sa Sally Stanford, some of you people may know about, but if you do, don't tell your wives, was the madam of San Francisco. <laughs> she was run out of San Francisco. She said she preferred to say it was a parade because she always liked to lead things. She went over the bridge to Sausalito, where we had uh, the yachts tied up, and opened a restaurant called Valhalla. And then she ran for mayor under her real name and was drubbed, beaten badly, Mary something. Uh, then she ran as Sa Sally Stanford, the world-famous madam, and became the mayor of Sausalito and had a restaurant. I couldn't get there fast enough. In the door, she was sitting right at the end of the bar, and I walked over. I said, Miss Stanford, you don't know me, but my name is Ben Gay, and we're going to be good friends. The United Nations, much of the work of the formation of the United Nations was in her parlor, in her house of prostitution, in San Francisco, where the delegates would go after the official sessions, smoke cigars, drink bourbon or whatever, and put together the United Nations. So that if you're on, if you're looking, if your goal, when I, I never leave the house or the office without the goal of meeting one person that I didn't know, preferably an interesting one. Thank you. That is it. That's the whole show, everybody. Do you understand that? <laughs> Holy mackerel. The guy is an honorary contact mapper. Yeah. <laughs> That's Don't forget yeah. my shirt. Don't, my you're shirt. on the way, baby. Yeah. We're going to give you one white and one black one. That's exactly right. I mean, it really is. And, and I think what I heard from you that is so remarkable is that so much of the game is in following the thread. You have people, interesting people come across everybody's plate all the time, 
But one of the things that you've done is that you stopped, you paid attention and you turned left. You jumped in the car and got to that place in 10 minutes. You did these things and doors opened that others would have let pass them by. They never would have even walked through them. Isn't that right? Absolutely. I met Chuck Yeager, General Chuck Yeager, when I heard he was going to the airport to see our B-29 because that was the plane that they carved out in the bottom, put his plane up in and dropped it and he broke the sound barrier. I said, he, he's going to, to the hangar to see it? And they said, yeah. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm out of here. Boom. Chuck Yeager and I were friends before the sunset. That is just so incredible. So How did I not know him all I, my life? You it. and I, I are it. like brothers. It yeah. makes me How mad. come? It makes How me mad. Come? Where was Ron Henley 20 years ago? I know, Ron. Come <laughs> on, man. We got we to gotta make these things happen. So for those of you listening on the radio, we threw it in the chat already here on Facebook, but go to bg3.com. That's where you can find Ben. And B man, I'm going to go order FG. I'm sorry, BFG3. Sorry, I see I needed it in front of me. BFG3. Franklin Day the third. There we go. There it is. Oh man, that's awesome. So BFG, the number three.com. Go see what he's about. I'm gonna, we're going to order like a pallet of books. So I hope you got some on hand. And this is just well, you got to put that quote up by Robert incredible. Wright that he just made because it's just the people, the caliber of people that dwell on your every word are unbelievable. Robert White just said, my life changed from ordinary to extraordinary as a result of the educational opportunities promoted by Holiday, Holiday Magic and the example set by Bill Patrick, Ben Gay, and Bill Dempsey. What a legacy to leave, sir. How much? Thank you, Mr. White. I appreciate that. Robert White is a legend, too. Yes, he is. We'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening. Stick around with the rest of you right now. And we're clear. What a show. You did it. We're off the radio, but we're still on Facebook. So that's good. So we're still talking. Holy mackerel. You are the man... Robert White is a dear friend. He lives here in town. He's a mentor of mine. I had no idea that he knew a man of such high caliber. He's never bothered to introduce us. It's unbelievable. (laughs) There's so many people that have let us down. (laughs) It's just frightening. First Ron Ron Henley, then Robert White. It's all all coming full circle now. So we're counting our blessings. So, Ben, what do you think's forward for network marketing? Are you loving what you're seeing? Do you think it needs to get back to high touch a little more from all this high tech? Or what do you think's going on? It's sort of become a video game uh, from what I see. I, I do some consulting with individual distributors and companies. But I don't advocate going back to my day when you got in a car, drove out to the prospect's house, found them in their pajamas, told them you'd wait <laughs> to get dressed and drive them downtown. We made a lot of money, a lot more adjusted for inflation than most people make today, but more than most people were making then. But what I, people always ask me, what's changed in selling in the 55 years or so you've been at the top of it? And I said, almost nothing at the point of sale. People are asking, what's in it for me? And if you don't answer that in a believable, articulate manner, in writing or voice and so on, you're out of luck. What has changed is the sheep dogs. Uh, we used to have to go out and get the sheep in the pasture one at a time. And, le- and I don't mean sheep in a derogatory sense. It's just you can picture herding sheep. 
and now you send out the electronic sheep dogs and they round them up. I can talk to, I've talked, I figured to two and a half million people face to face in the, some 5,000 paid events I've given. Of course, that doesn't count the free events, but in the paid events, about 5,000 events, two and a half million people. I can talk to two and a half, in the, but that took from 1965 till I uh, quit counting a few years ago. Uh, I can talk to two and a half million people today if I want to. You know, so yeah. that's changed. But the 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 person the impersonality of it has changed dramatically, and that's sort of a shame. I don't I don't know many more people than MLM or direct sales, whatever we're calling it this week. People say, oh, "Don't call it MLM; they'll think it's a pyramid scheme." Uh, I made a lot of money while everybody thought it was a pyramid scheme, so it doesn't make any difference to me. Yeah. But uh, the uh, I know as many people up close and personal today as I knew then. I know lots of know of lots of numbers that buy books and follow me and ask questions and, and so on. But the good friends about the same. You can only have so many friends. You know, somebody reconnected with me from 50 years ago uh, last week, and she was a lovely lady that I dated briefly. She wanted to reconnect. And I said, honey, I don't have time. A, I'm happily married. And B, I don't have time for another good friend. Yeah. So we'll email each other. We have fond memories, et cetera. But no more friends. Thank you very much. And Gigi's had a few of those. Said they, they want to be friends with us. I said, when? You know, yeah. from, from five o'clock in the morning, I'm talking to somebody or I'm on camera till I'm done for the day, whether that's nine o'clock at night or dinner time or what, till I'm done. I don't have time for any more. So the electronic sheepdogs have done a wonderful job. The It's become very impersonal. So it goes back, in my opinion, to find a quality product that's competitively priced and spend your time talking to qualified people. That's all I did back in those days. And, you know, people, I used to say, I, I would kid with the owners and founders of Amway. We'd meet in Grand Island, Nebraska on a regular basis. And I say, you know, my worst nightmare is that my best friend becomes an Amway distributor. And they would, Rich and Jay would laugh. I said, I don't want to be recruited 24 hours a day. Uh, so the way I got around that with my friends, neighbors, and relatives was I had turned into two or three meetings, one up at the family farm in North Carolina and one at the house and, you know, like that. But three or four meetings, I covered them all. I said, I, I, I'm in network marketing or whatever we call it then, probably MLM. I'm doing well. And you fear that I'm going to try and recruit you from early in the morning to late at night. I'm not. You're off the hook. Keep an eye on me and see how I do. And if that looks interesting to you, you have to recruit me which started in 1965, roughly, when Jimmy Rucker and I bought our first new Cadillac. We shared it. But all I had to do at age 23 was pull in a brand new Cadillac, and people who hadn't given me the time of day in my life suddenly wanted to chat. So I recruited by example, in addition to running the little ads. That ad, by the way, that Zig and I answered, uh, Bill Dempsey only ran it one day and two counting Jimmy because he came with me, two people answered, Zig and me. 
And Dempsey said, you know, I was disappointed in the response, but on the other hand, I could retire on the residuals. <laughs> wow. Ben, <laughs> we're going to do another show. So this is just the beginning of to. you and I. I need to say something to you that you need to hear. You want to hear it? Sure. We're going to be good friends. I already know that. All right, sir. This was a great I, I, I decided that about five minutes into the conversation. And, and in, <laughs> including that, that weird little guy sitting next to you. Same deal. Amen. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Thank you. Love you.